Leader Talk. 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 Hi everyone, my name is Natalie Dawson. Welcome to Leader Talk. This show is proudly brought to you by Brainiac. Each week we are meeting with incredible leaders from around the world to discuss all things leadership and business insights. Each person coming on this talk show has given up their valuable time for one very clear purpose, to give back to small and medium business owners. Now, calling all tradies, this show is especially for you. This is all your feedback rolled into one show. So drop those tools, free your calendar, take a break and learn how to maximize your profits and grow a successful business. Today, my guest co-host Mimo Lebrano, CEO of Sandhurst Fine Foods and I are fortunate to chat to our guest speaker, Adrian Fadini, founder and head coach at Trades Formation, the training and coaching organization helping tradies to learn today and earn tomorrow. Adrian is here today to teach us all about the importance of smashing sales and understanding how valuable and important tradies are in business. Welcome to the show, Adrian. Natalie, thank you so much for having me. Welcome, Adrian. It's great to have a fellow Italian on board. Well done. Benvenuti. There could be some tears of inspiration later today. I'm very excited to be on the show. Thank you, Bimo. Very good. Excellent. We are excited to have you, Adrian, and we ask all our guests two fun questions uh, when we begin the show. So we have your two. Can you tell us the best advice you've ever been given? Yes, that's an easy one. Um, I've done a lot of work with a guy called, uh, a a guy, I should give him a bit more uh, credit than that, uh, what we call a polymath, which is an expert in multiple areas. His name was Dr. uh, Dr. John Demartini, and the best piece of advice said, Slaves live in a world of win and lose, and masters live in a world of, and I always get to say transformation, but I mean transformation. So we, we've got to start to understand that you're not winning, you're not losing. Things are just evolving into the next chapter or the next experience. And when you start to look at the world and business in that way, it, yeah, it, it's a profound, uh, like a paradigm shift. So what was the quote again? What was the quote at the beginning? So slaves live in a world of win and lose. So I won today, I lost tomorrow, I'm up, I'm down, and that becomes emotional. When you become emotionally, um, or when you're emotional, you become exhausted and you kind of, and especially in sales, this applies to sales in a big way, people uh, start to go through burnout and they're going, oh, I'm having a good day, I'm having a bad day. But when you understand that it's, a, it's about transformation, you're about every time you don't win a sale, you're actually learning how to be better on the next one. So it's about transformation. Very cool. Take Very cool. Yeah, which is good. Great. Love it. Yeah, that, yep. that is a brilliant one. Thank you. And what about your favorite book you've read and why? This is funny. I, I read this when I was a very young uh, boy at school. I can't remember exactly how old. I'm going to say uh, year six, year seven. And it was by um, an Australian author, Albert Facey. And it was a fortunate life. <laughs> I'm about to get teary eyed thinking about it. It was all about um, resilience. And the the title um, would have you believe that, oh, this is going to be a fun book. And it was a, about a young guy that was an orphan and he was an itinerant worker, worked around Australia and I think in Western Australia from memory. And all his perception and perspective on everything was just profound. He just, he even th- when things went wrong, his pers- perspective was so uh, positive and, um, yeah, resilient. It was, it was an absolutely inspiring book. 
And I remember that probably rings, rings true with the, uh, the the set generations of migrants that we all we all stem from migrant uh, families. So you know, probably Absolutely. brings it more into perspective as they uh, you know you were put, you were take, taken to another country. You know, your parents decided to form a life in another country. So uh, yeah, we're all in that that situation. You know, so very interesting. Yeah, it's so, so true. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely another one to add to the list, to the reading list. Thank you, Adrian. And before we begin with our questions, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and your business, Adrian? Sure. So um, we're Transformation. Uh, we uh, are sales and business coaches, sales, marketing and, and business coaches. Um, and my journey starts a long time ago. I had my own plumbing business for 10 years. Uh, it was called Plumber to the Rescue. And uh, I was able to sell it in 2012, but it was not um, all beer and Skittles. It was actually a, a bumpy ride. And at one point, I had to sell my family home. And it was it was pretty, um, yeah, I, I don't know about soul destroying, but definitely character building. It was, the, I didn't know my I didn't know my numbers. I didn't understand my margins. I didn't understand. Um, I was all in um, gusto and motivation. But yet I didn't have the smarts to do it. And I looked out for business coaches at the time. I went around looking for, uh, I actually got some good help from mentors. Mentors that had done it before me were fantastic. But the business coaches at the time, um, I'll be polite, there was a lot to be desired, left to be desired. There was, there was a lot of people that had been in corporate world and they were, they were great and fantastic for that specialty, but not for the plumbing world necessarily. And it really, um, uh, when I did get my ducks in a row, my wife and I uh, learned how to market, learned how to sell, learned how to manage the business where I would sell it years later in 2012. And then uh, after that period, I went, all right. Uh, I didn't quite go back to coaching straight away. I had a little bit of a, um, I guess, a, I don't know what you would call it. It was almost like an ego attack. I, I bought myself a, a nice car and a, and a Hugo Boss suit and I wanted to prove myself in the corporate world for about nine months and then I yeah then I had this epiphany of what the hell am I doing here this is not my people I'm going to go back to my tribe and that's been since 2015 now we've been doing transformation it's been phenomenal we, we're changing lives helping people so you, you return to your, your roots is that right Adrian? Yeah, where you come I've from. come home I've come home so to say and yeah the, the, yeah we've we've without um yeah I don't want to uh, come across uh, arrogant or, or or rude, but we've definitely changed a profound amount of lives. The people are looking for answers. They're in a really dysfunctional situation because the business is failing and it's causing other social issues for them, drinking too much, etc. And um, yeah, once we can get the mindset and the business right, they go off and, and have a great life and contribute to society and also to their family as well. Yeah, amazing. And I know a lot of our listeners today are waiting for some answers and they've been emailing us with a lot. So uh, you know, Adrian, in our previous chat, you introduced Mimo and I to these four stages of tradie progress, and it was it was really interesting learning this from you. Can you share this with our listeners? Because I know this will help them understand the conversation that we will be having today and where they are, where they are on the on the life cycle. Because we've seen everybody looks at the big uh, contractor companies and goes, "Well, how do I become?" Uh, what is it? Back in my, my day, it was like James Watt or Ralph Lemley or those guys. I don't know if they still exist, but that's when I was exposed to the trade areas. I'm sort of going, these tradies coming all shapes and sizes. So how do what, how does one move along the along the chain? So what's it look like? Yeah, it's um, it all looks like a mystery from the outside. When you're looking at it from the outside, it's just oh my god, this is just it's impossible. How does this work? How does it happen? And I'm a visual guy, so I, I thought look, I, best way to do it. And I love metaphors as well. 
I thought, well, look, you've got your first year, second year, third year, fourth year of your apprenticeship. And I said, okay, how do we now look at the stages of business maturity, our, our business ownership? And, okay, cool, first year we've come up with what we call the four Cs. I'll, I'll, I'll rattle them off and then I'll go into a little bit of detail. The very first one is the contractor. The second one is the controller. The third one is the conductor. And the fourth one is the creator. And the creator can evolve and evolve and evolve and go on for, for 10 years. Again, even though they're first year, second year, third year, fourth year, you could be stuck in, in uh, contractor for the rest of your life if you don't evolve or, or grow or learn. Or you might not choose to want to go to that next stage. So a little bit about the contractor. The contractor is... Um, subcontracting usually to another plumber or electrician, depending on their trade. They might be subcontracting to a builder. And their number one focus is work, work, work. Where's my next job? I've just got to find um, my next gig, my next job. I might pick up a little bit of my own work, uh, but I still pretty much charge the same rates that I'm charging as a subcontractor. And I'm not really doing my own work the right way, but I'm I'm kind of stuck in that hamster wheel because I'm not growing the cash in my bank. And I'm not quite sure how to evolve into the next level, which is controller. Um, it's, I'm just trying to think, is there anything around contractor apart from that? So their number one, their number one focus is where's my next job? And also to they're more more or less labor hire. So what you're saying, Adrian, is the leverage, you, you can't get any leverage as a contractor because you're only paid what you work, right? So if you charge X amount of dollars per hour, that's the maximum you can earn. Um, I like. I mean, it sounds like a hairdresser. You either you're either hairdresser on your own, making good money. Otherwise, you own fifty salons, and you you might make money. You might lose a lot of money. Um, and, then, and from what I know about hairdressers, there's very little in, little in between. You know, so um, yeah. Your your uh, hands are tied by the amount of hours in the day. There's like exactly what you said. There's absolutely zero leverage, and um, you're more or less a labour hire. And then you're not even a business per se. You're, you're you're literally a contractor going from from contract to contract. When you do somehow uh, evolve to the next stage, um, we can uh, go into that a little bit later on as well, and you go to the next level of controller, what happens is you might go straight from a tradesperson uh, as you and then the first hire is an apprentice, and I'm going to give you a little um, um, uh, strategy and technique. If you're going from contractor controller, I'm going down a little bit of a tangent here, my experience and my advice is don't hire an apprentice first. Go straight to investing in another vehicle, getting a fully qualified tradesperson and going straight from that leap from you to another tradesperson, not to an, another, not to an apprentice. An apprentice, I believe, in my experience, it tells me time and time again, it should come after you've got about your third guy because your, your apprentice, as much as they can get you to help get stuff done quicker, you get no leverage from that whatsoever. So if you can get the vehicle, so, so while you're a contractor, save up for another vehicle. Uh, if you're a plumber, get your jet blaster, your camera, all those specialised tools for, again, I, I deal with maintenance tradies, not construction, and start to get the assets that you need to jump straight from um, being yourself to another tradesperson, and then they can start to be income producing for you, and that starts to give you time and leverage back into your life, into your business. But they cost more money, Adrian. They do. But they make you money. Um, an apprentice effectively will become an overhead and a liability because they're non-income producing. And, and I've created a labour rate calculator, which we weigh up. All, that's how we'll, we'll talk about that a bit later as well. When I actually look at a business, I put first and second year um, uh, apprentices on the overhead side, not on the income producing side, because I can't charge out for them. Okay, third, second, uh, sorry, third and fourth years absolutely can go over to the income producing side. 
but first and second years uh, in in my experience, that's when you've got to do the right thing by them, train them. They'll get you to help finish jobs quicker, but you're not going to be able to put them in a vehicle by themselves until at least the third year, maybe the end of the second year. Is that making sense so far? You know what? It does, Adrian. I actually had a chat to a tradie who recently had, unfortunately, had COVID, had to isolate for, you know, the isolation period, but had two apprentices. But the apprentices couldn't continue the work while the well, the a business owner was in isolation. So all work stopped. So I can completely hear what you're saying with this. It was just it just that example just came to mind. And just so I don't get misquoted. Apprentices are very important. Without them, we don't have a future. We must recruit them. I think we almost have a responsibility to recruit them. But don't do them until you can do the right thing by them, until I reckon at least two to three tradesmen to one apprentice so they can they can bounce around, learn from other guys, and go from there. Um, and, look, we're in a tough labour market, so that's another conversation for another day uh, altogether. But, um, so, yeah, so far I'll just recap. Contractor focused on the job. You evolve while you're in contractor mode, save up enough money for a vehicle uh, and any other um, plant and equipment you need so you can put a fully qualified tradesman in that vehicle. You've now evolved into the controller stage. But because we're new at business in the controller stage, we don't trust anyone. We're worried about our reputation. We're worried about the quality of work and we control the guy. We micromanage him. We sometimes churn churn tradespeople because we're so micromanaged or in that micromanaging state. We micromanage our cash flow because it's it's lumpy, it's, it's all over the place, and it's still a stressful position. It's still a stressful stage of growth. And what we need to do is learn how do we start to systematize bits, not the whole business yet. How do we get certain like things like um, in controller, I'd definitely be looking at core values um, because core values can be, I know it sounds a little bit CEO and a bit uh, Fortune 500, but core values are the underpinning foundation of the of the rules of the game of your business. And they can become a silent manager, like, oh, yeah, did you, um, one of my, I'm, um, I'm just trying to think about a core, I'll use, I'll use transformations core values rather than use one of my clients. So one of ours, we're a training organisation, it's never stop learning. So if, if I'm away on a holiday and somebody says, oh, should I, uh, I really need this uh, piece of training content for a client, uh, so for a staff member, should I buy it? Well, our core values are never stop learning. I'm going to in, uh, encourage them to make a decision without me being around because it's in line with our core values. So those core values become like almost a silent manager to help people make decisions when the boss is not around and you don't have to pepper him with 100 calls. So it starts to give you another uh, another more freedom. Le- the way I've control. seen it is on a pyramid. The pyramid is the, your business, if you like, your strategy, but on the bottom is your values and they're non-negotiable, so they stay forever. And you should be able to rattle off your values. You know, I could rattle off ours, you know, honesty, communication, teamwork, um, respect, um, family. That's basically ours. And, you know, you live there forever. And the other thing is you hire and fire on those as well. So if you find a violation of one of the values, you go, well, that's something that doesn't fit with our value set. I'm afraid we're going to have to find a way to um, move you on. And if you could find someone with those, you know, a few of those values in part of their mindset, then that's 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 a good place to start, I found. But anyway, yeah. Okay. Um, so controller, now we're going to con- uh, conductor. Conductor, now things are starting to get better. You're starting to get a bit of momentum, a bit of flow. Um, you might have two or three staff, maybe four or five. Uh, the team's growing. You, you quite possibly even have um, an admin team member as well, maybe part-time, full-time. It, 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 they're not that narrow, the, the channels, that they, they can be a little bit, um, um, yeah, 
flexible, so to say. But the key thing is you're now conducting like the uh, conductor at an orchestra, usually from a laptop in an office, right, and having multiple people and you're getting more leverage now. The challenge, though, with the conductor level is the fact that you're starting to systematize, you're starting to get processes, things are going well while you're there, but then you go, you know what, I think I'm going to go for a, uh, I'm going to go a weekend away, no worries. I might even have a week away and things aren't too bad, but a month in Bali or a month in Europe, everything falls apart because there's not enough uh, systems, there's not enough cohesion and everything is kind of held together by you. So you're the conductor, the conductor goes, the band the band starts to play out of tune. Then the next stage after that is when we go to creator, which is the fourth level. Again, it has multiple um, levels of depth to that as well, is when you start to get a general manager, you're now starting to exclude yourself from the business and you're able to actually um, go and take what we call asset cash out of that business and invest it in another opportunity, whether it be another business or property or assets, maybe not crypto these days, whatever your choice. So, so Adrian, I'll just, cut, I'll just cut to the chase there. And um, one thing I shared on my podcast when I was in your chair, I said, the purpose of a business is to give you a life, not to take it away. And I think that was a, that was given to me many, many years ago. And I don't, didn't realize how valuable it was. But yeah, the purpose of having a business is to give you a life, not to take it away. I like to think of it as a cash machine to, to fund your, your retirement or your future, whatever that may be. It's very it's exactly what you're saying too, me, mate. So yeah, they're the four levels: uh, contractor, controller, conductor, creator. Um, yeah, I think I yeah, covered that. I'm trying to think if I used anything there. Yeah, and Adrian, so it's okay for tradies to stay at a comfortable level they are, right? Not everyone will get to the creator level. Is that correct? And that's okay. Right. 100%. No one says you have to go through the four levels. If you want to stay contractor for the rest of your life, um, I've had clients and say, I'm going to do that much work to go to the next level. No, I'm going to, I'm going to be happy within the constraints that I've got and stay here because that's that's what I want. So 100% it's got to come back to your personal goals. So if your, your personal goals are – and this is another conversation I have, uh, and it tends to be with the younger guys, I want 20 trucks. And I go, Why? Because 20 trucks is good or it, like it, it can be sometimes a little bit, I don't know, I just want 20 trucks. And then let's, let's think about, okay, how much passive income do you need to retire? We kind of average it out at 5% return. If you want to live on $150,000 a year, you need $3 million of unencumbered assets to generate that 150 grand. So let's reverse engineer where you are, how old you are, how much cash you're making in the business. What I mean, I don't do financial planning at all. Um, but then you can start to work out what do I need to buy to get to my retirement goal so then everything starts to make sense on the way. You can reverse engineer, hey, you only need four trucks. You don't need you don't need 20. You can do this. You have less less humans is less hassles. So, um, yeah, it, it starts to really make more sense of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Adrian, is it, is it, true, is it true that trade is by nature? You know, if you give them a choice of doing managerial sales, marketing work or fixing a tap, um, they'll always gravitate toward fixing a tap? I, I don't know. Uh, well, okay, if we take the premise that tradies um, chose tra- their trade in the first place, yes, but I find a lot of guys, uh, and this comes back to a conversation um, we had yesterday, and um, I'll do my best to get, get through this without getting all um, choked up. A lot of our industry um, have this kind of um, scenario. We, we're not amazing at school we we get to the end of year school uh, end of year school end of year 12 or year 10 and and the teacher and, and your parents not, uh, tap you on the shoulder mate you're not that good at school you might as well come become a tradie and right straight away you're feeling like 
you dejected. I've kind of already failed before I've started. Myself, this happened for me too. My self worth was low, and you're thinking, oh, I've been told, and, I'm, and, and to some degree, I'm conditioned that I'm not good with computers, I'm not good with schoolwork. So then, if I if someone gives me a managerial role, and, and I'm not saying this is the case across the board, I'm saying this is probably 80 percent of, of, of the situation in Australia. And people start to have self-doubt and issues just before they even start their trade. So it sets them up for, for a career of, I don't want to go to the office. I'm just a trade. And I hate that phrase, I'm just a trade. I'm just anything for that matter because it, it minimises us. We're all fantastic and brilliant. And, and if we really apply ourselves, we can do anything we want. And, and I, I do think that there's some fear associated to answer your question, Mimo, that well, if I go for a managerial role, I might fail. Again, we anchor back to the past. I might fail, inverted commas, whatever that means, like the teacher told me at school. So does that, is that making sense? Because it, it talks to self-worth, really. That's what it is, it's self-worth. Yeah. Uh, I'd, um, sorry, I'm getting all excited, so I don't mean to interrupt you, Mima. I'm sorry. No, oh, it's, your, it's your podcast, not mine. I'm, <laughs> I'm the one interrupting. Sorry, mate. No, no, <laughs> so no. We're no, talking no. about, yeah. We, we, we talk about because we talk about self worth because it's, this is exactly what you're talking about. So you know how can business owners understand self worth because you know pricing and things like that. So how do you calculate this for, for ourselves or for our staff? How, how do we? What's a, what, what? What are we worth? You know, and and because and this is why you get so many different quotes. What's that? What's that old saying? You know, if you think of a number and double it, and you know you never know what. No true tradies numbers will ever be the same. You know, so how do they calculate it? It's it's the biggest problem in Australian trades right now. Um, I, I'd love to hear. I don't know if you get messages after this goes. Uh, well, it's live now, but yeah, I'd love to know how many tradies. And you can, if you're listening to this right now, how many tradies have ever sat down and actually calculated what my hourly rate or my labour rate should be. Um, I saw Marcel's podcast. We love um, Marcel and Lorenzo at Flat Rate. Um, they, they, they do a great job. Um, that there'd be the it would be less than five percent, right? Um, the guys uh, predominantly, and I did the same thing when I started my business. Um, what are you charging, mate? And I ring up my old boss. Oh, what are, what are you charging? And what we do, we pluck a number out of the sky, or and depending on what you said, me more about our self worth. If we've got high self worth, or maybe a little bit of cockiness, we might go higher than our boss and our mate. Or if we've got lower self-worth and we think that, oh, if I go lower, I'll get more work, but we know that never works. Marketing is, is a totally different beast and price is about the fifth or seventh, uh, sorry, fifth, sixth or seventh concern before you even look at if the products are fit and all those other things. And we completely base our worth in emotion, not science, and that is so dangerous because, and, th- and that's also too why you'll get different prices because someone will say to a plumber or electrician, go, oh, could you drop it? And because they don't know their break even, they go, yeah, right, I'll drop it and they'll drop it by 20%. You'd be lucky to running it at 20% margin. So if you are running at 20%, you've just given away all your profit. So well, it makes, it makes a mockery of the, of the process. Yeah. If there's 20% in it, then there's not, not, not what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I mentioned that, Natalie, too. I, um, we're happy to. Anyone that wants to sign up to our free labour rate calculator course, they can um, share the details with you, Natalie. We'll issue uh, anyone that wants uh, access to it. It's um, in our, our learning management system and then they can have a play with it. There's a whole bunch of videos on exactly how to use it. So we'd be happy to share that with anybody um, yeah, watching today as well. Oh, thank you. And if they want to, can they go straight through to the website? Is there a contact us form on your website? Because we are getting some reactions to that. I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, my team are great. It's there. I think it's Profit Maximizer or Labor Rate Calculator. We're in the middle of 
upgrading our website so it's a little bit um it's like like the plumber's house is taps is always leaking <laughs> yeah, it's always it's your own right <laughs> yeah, if you go to transformation.com.au you'll find it in profit maximizer um could be the labor rate calculator. We were, we were in a meeting the other day and we couldn't remember which one we were, we couldn't decide on which one we were going to call it. So, yeah, either profit maximizer or labor rate calculator. It's funny because you use the word sales and tradesmen in the same sentence and it's like you're talking about, you know, rugby league and, and soccer. It's like nothing to do with each other really, but they're both games and, you know. So how does sales fit into um, in, in, into into tradies? I mean, you know, tradies, are, you know, they, they look at salespeople, they look at people like me that are salespeople and go, this guy talks for a living and he's full of, you know, BS. Um, I don't want to be full of BS salespeople. So how does sales fit into tradies? What, what can a tradie do in, in the sales process? First of all, everything, and, I, and my um, clients hear this to nauseam, everything is honest, ethical, and moral. Honest, ethical, and moral. We're like I say that. Yeah, three times a day. I, I do so. We uh, sessions Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we, every at the beginning, at the end, honest, ethnic, moral. We like we hammer it home. So that's the first premise: is that sales is not a dirty word. Okay, it can be done um, in a professional manner. And what we actually do, um, I studied uh, about twenty years ago. I did an NLP um, master. I, forget, I even forget what the qualification is. But one of the things I took away from it was a reframe. And the NLP reframe was we took the salesman stigma and then we listed all the negative traits that society has to do with a salesperson, dodgy, slimy, all those negative things. And then we um, unpacked why that was. And then what we found through a Harvard Business Review study that about 83% in, it was about 2016, so it's a little bit dated, but the numbers wouldn't be far off. Um, 83% of people with sales in their title and their job description had never received more than a day's worth of training ever. And then we discovered when they're in survival survival mode to get a quota to do something, they resort to those tactics of being sleazy and dodgy and I've got to look after my family so I'll rip somebody off. And that's why it's happening. So what we've done, we've looked at what they did as a professional tradesperson and we go, okay, give us all the characteristics of this. Um, you're professional, you're educated, you're on time, you're honest, you're problem solver. And then we said, okay, cool. How about if we took all of those traits and now slid, slid them over to your sales career, right? What would happen? Would you become a good salesperson? Okay, great. So you, on our first one or two sessions, we go, all right, you're two hours into your sales career. You've been doing plumbing or electrical for 10 years. So let's get you up to at least 12 months worth of training and then see how you sell. You'll sell honestly, ethically, as a problem solver, supporting the customer, coming with that with the best options and the best solutions for them. And it becomes also too easy because they know what to do and they don't have to go to any dodgy tactics. So, and, and eventually what we do, we say, we don't want to talk about sales for the rest of this program. We, we will use now the phrase, whenever sales is, just take out sales and put professional trading. Because that's what it is. We offer we offer solutions. We look at ways that we can get you a permanent solution, fix the problem forever. Um, we offer um, uh, the latest updates on what's happening in the in the market, whether it be technical or payment plans or whatever the case may be. So we're like a trusted professional. So let's let's take the word sales out. Like every discipline, there are steps that you take and stuff that you learn. I mean, I learned as well that you know through the real estate sales guys, there are things in sales that have to be done properly, follow up and appointments and um, you know presentation closing that old that old word closing. Um, thankfully, that's not used that much anymore. What what's your take on that one, Adrian? Yeah, lovely. Um, so our flagship course is the seven steps to a profitable sale. Um, and I'll run through the seven steps. The very first step is first impression. Um, if I, this is the funny thing. 
you turn up late, you look like crap, and you leave a mess, all of a sudden the customer doesn't say any of those three things they say, you cost That means money. I can't be a tradie. I can't be a tradie. It, it, it's really funny because they don't say you made a mess. Oh, your price is too high. So the very first thing is about how your vehicle looks, how you look, how you present yourself, how you answer the phone as well. So it's even it's a, a thing called persuasion. Uh, I love another author, if, if people want a bit of a reading list, is Dr. Robert Cialdini, Influence. Phenomenal book. I think it's from 1982. It's 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 timeless. It's it's fantastic. It's all about influence and persuasion. And in his latest book, uh, which is still about five or ten years old, is called Persuasion. And how can we persuade the client with a great call and approach? Make sure that they know we're coming. Make sure our CSR, which is customer service representative team, are doing the right things to make the best possible impression before we even show up. Uh, that's step one, first impressions. Step two is gather information. In fact, the longer we spend in step two gathering information, building rapport with the customer, finding out their, their buying desires, their needs, their wants, et cetera, closing, in fact, steps four, five, and six, which I'll get to, become effortless because I spent so much time tailoring and listening and showing empathy and really giving my, um, we say connect heart to heart, not uh, not head to wallet. So you want to make yeah, sure that the Americans... The Americans will tell that questions are the answers. That's what they say, you know. So that's that's old school real estate selling. Questions are the answers, you know. And that's it. That's that's you know it's burnt into my brain. So that was step uh, step two: gather information. Step yeah, two, yeah. Um, gathering information. The second one, second one is providing options. So how do I find uh, if I go there for one little job and I'm in and out and I, I spend half an hour? Uh, my marketing costs, my labor costs, they go through the roof. I, I, I've got to find, and, and I don't want to do it uh, any other way except for honestly, ethically, and morally. How do I find other issues that the customer wants done that are associated with the one issue, right? So that I can offer three things, four things, five things. In fact, Marcel mentions that as well. Um, we obviously come from the same school of thought because also, too, that increases what we call our average ticket sale. And then when we increase our average t- ticket sale, um, the business makes more money. Um, the, the tradesman makes uh, a, potentially a commission on that if the boss uh, has a commission plan in place. But more importantly, we as tradesmen start to judge what the customer wants and we think, oh, they only want we only want a Band-Aid repair. Most of us are time poor, busy, and if you're a 20-something-year-old tradie and you're dealing with a 55-year-old customer that has a mortgage, et cetera, a few thousand dollars to get everything done in one trip is not a big deal. But when you start to look at the world through your eyes, not your customer's eyes, you start to make decisions for them that they never ask you to do. So always it's, offer. It's the same thing that the sale, the worst salesman's already decided what the customer wants before they've walked on. So, you know, in, in, in car sales, you know, so and I reckon you're going to drive this car away and I'm going to sell that one to you. It's the biggest mistake they make, you know, just deciding what the car, unless you've actually, and so you've then got to qualify the customer and find out. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've been surprised or shocked of oh, like, and and you just got you got to trust the process. Um, so another tip for the listeners: we talk about um, good, better, best, which is is com- commonplace. Also, repair, replace, upgrade. When you're doing options, repair, replace, upgrade. It's another another great one. Um, that gets us to presenting the options. How do we present the options um, uh, in front of the customer, like our sales presentation, so to so so, so to say? Um, how do uh, you can even do things. We don't do it heaps at the moment when we're in this course because it's the beginner course, but we talk about how to do loyalties and memberships and stuff in the more advanced courses. But that's all about sales presentation. Then step five is called understanding objections, not overcoming them, 
not trying to handle them because anything that you uh, resist will persist. So what we do back to the questions are the answers kind of thing memo, we talk about how do we understand what the customer is actually objecting to so I can disintegrate or, or, or diffuse or, or um, dilute that objection rather than trying to overpower it. Because overpowering it, it's not a good outcome. It's, it's using manipulation, not in, influence and persuasion. So, again, we teach them how to understand the objection so we can um, make it disintegrate and then close the sale. And then the, the final one is um, how do I get a five-star Google review? And um, just checking the time, I got, I, I'd love to give you uh, – I know that was a big one for you, Natalie, when we were chatting. So I'd like to give the listeners a, um, a lot of value, so to say, with this one. So – in order to get more five-star reviews, we know, and I, I listened to a few of your past podcasts too, Natalie, about how you make decisions around uh, five-star Google reviews and so on. Um, the first thing that you need to do, you need to pre-frame the, the request early. So when we have the CSR or if you're the business owner and you're answering the phone and doing the job, uh, part of our script and our spiel that we say is, look, our aim is to give you a, a five-star experience. At the end of this job, we'll be asking for a Google, Google review. So we're pre-framing it on the incoming call. We then, when you turn up and you're doing the rapport building in the beginning, look, in a moment, I'm going to look at the problem and see what it needs to be done. I'll go to my vehicle uh, to work out a price for you. I'll be back in a moment. And when I'm done, I'm going to need payment by cash card or um, hardly do check anymore by cash card. And also, too, if you feel I deserve it, right, I'd like to ask you, for, and what we do, we personalise the request, but, again, it's a pre-framing thing because I'll ask for me, not for the business, but for me as the individual because there's more emotional connection between you, uh, the customer, and the person in front of you rather than the organisation. So we personalise it is one of the most important things. And then when we get to uh, towards the end of the job, roughly 20 minutes before the job's done, not at the last moment. And the reason we don't ask at the last moment is because, uh, and this is a story I use in training all the time, um, what happens, um, I'll take a breath because I know I, 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 I get passionate and I, I don't go uh, slow at all. Uh, Natalie, what happens to you on your last day of holiday, all right, you're, you, let's say you're in the Caribbean, you're sipping your cocktail, Tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, you're flying back to Sydney. What happens to you in the moment on the very last day of holiday? Where does your head go? So your body is in paradise, but your mind has already gone to the next location. And it's the same when we buy the ticket as well. We're still in rainy Sydney, Melbourne, wherever we might be. But, oh, yeah, I forgot the ticket. And the same thing happens at the end of the sale with a customer. You get right to the end. They're already gone to, I'm going to the gym, I'm picking up the kids, I'm going to the shops. They're physically in front of you, but they're mentally gone to their next task for the day. And Yeah, and then they go, yeah, yeah, I'll do it later, and they never do it. So you've got to ask 20 minutes before the end of the call, right? And then when you ask 20 minutes before the end of the call, you can handle all those things. I don't have a Gmail account or this and that. You can help them out and, like, people love it. Oh, you helped me set my Gmail account up. And you also, too, you've made it personal because it's for me uh, as the tradesman, but you also say um, in your in your final spill, uh, is there anything specific, like you're happy with everything, this is now the taps working, blah, blah, blah. Is there anything specific that you liked about today? Oh, you, you, the way you cleaned up was fantastic. Oh, great. Could you give me a five-star review on how I cleaned up? And the reason we do that is because it becomes specific and then I go, okay, I know what to type because I'm doing you a favour, but if i got to make it up from, oh, yeah, he was a nice guy, I sit there and then, I, again, 
something will in, um, interrupt me and then I'll go off and I'll forget to do it as well. So um, make it personal, make it specific, ask pre-frame it early on and ask 20 minutes before uh, before you leave. So, yeah, I, I thought that would help the listeners. No, definitely because it is, you're right, it needs to be worked into the process of the service or the fix or whatever is being done. Otherwise, you're right, It's it. you know yourself, you know, when someone, I mean, I run a business, we do ask people for reviews when the project is complete. They're already on to their next job or whatever they're thinking of. Everyone is so busy. So really the message for the listeners is work it into your process. The specific, the specific part of it is also very relevant when you're talking to employees and you want to, um, you know, praise an employee, you know, you want to praise, praise in, in you know. And so I really like the way you handled that, um, you know, last transaction or the way you served that second last customer that was called Mary and the way you sort of handed that across because you're really being specific about that because you, you, you say, oh, you did a great job, mate. And goes, yeah, right. I've heard that before. You're doing a great job. What, do you, what, what is it about it? So specifics really mean that you're listening and you're honing in on some particular aspect of what they've what they've noted. And you know, and the other thing is, you can always say, you know, I probably didn't do a great job on X, but I did a good job on Y. I did a good cleanup. So you know, because I know you weren't happy with that. Can you comment on that? You know, so you you might be deflecting a a, a, a shortcoming as well, which is something. Um, always, always to be aware of. So yeah. Another thing that I I, I love that example too, Mimo. Um, another thing is you want your employee to or your team member to repeat that behaviour. And if you say, "Oh, you've done a good job," they're going, "What did I do? I don't know." But if I go, "I did that clean up well," or whatever the specific the specificity was, "Oh, cool, I'll do that again." And then they get another praise. So, so it's it's really I love that. I really like that um, um way to use it with team members. And what you're saying, because, you know, especially in the trades business, are you saying everyone should really actively be going out there to get Google reviews? Because it is super important, isn't it, Adrian? Yeah. So anyone that's listening out there now and, you know, I haven't had time or whatever the reason is or I'm not into it, what's your message to them? Uh, um, I think the reason that we don't get into uh, to action is because we don't know what steps to take. Um, uh, another little thing I picked up on my um, journey of life Gleesh's formula for change uh, is a pretty cool thing. Uh, you've got to, first of all, be dissatisfied with where you're at, uh, and then you've got to have a vision of the future. But more importantly than anything, you need to know the very first step of action I need to take. So when I know what step to take, and hopefully that what I, I just explained a moment ago will help you, um, then you can get into action to get the five-star reviews. So if, you, if you're procrastinating or you're not doing it, it's usually because you don't know what the process is. And once you get the process... You should be, um, yeah, um, out the gate. So, um, yeah, get into it. D- don't hesitate. Five-star reviews. And, and also, too, that's another really good point. Ask for a five-star. Don't ask for a review. Ask for a five-star review on how I cleaned up. That's another really good point. Yeah, don't give the option. Because that's that's what I was, you know, kind of wanting to ask you questions about customer service. Because, you know, we already talk about five stars and everything. When people think of customer service, I feel like business owners sometimes think it actually costs money, you know, to give good customer service. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to eat into margins. What's your opinion, Adrian, for good, what is good customer service? I think it's customer experience and more or less the seven steps I mentioned, except probably the back end. And also till we went high level, but inside the course, I would almost say that my, my sales training course is actually almost a customer experience course. Call an approach, put it like put down a drop sheet, clean up after yourself, greet the client, do a little bit of small talk, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's only like a fraction of sales. It's more about a process of how do I 
do the little one percenters that show the customer that I'm a considerate, kind, and courteous man or, 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 or tradesperson woman for that matter that is doing a good job and I, I respect you, I respect your home. And if I can kind of show uh, empathy through my actions, then it's just going, wow, this is not the average tradesperson. This is That's, that's good customer service for me. Mm, attention to details is one of those things that you really pick up, particularly if you um, deal with a lot of a lot of areas. I mean, you know, when I stick into a hotel, you know, in interstate, you, you look at the hotel room and the little things like, you know, might be a scratch or some, you know, something you go, well, you know, maintenance is a bit down. They probably say, well, you know, there's been, you know, a thousand people in this room say, yeah, but, you know, maintenance is maintenance, you know. So who, who would notice it? I'd noticed it. So maybe someone else would as well. And uh, that's the attention to detail is always important, you know, particularly traders. But even you said, you mentioned before, you know, turning up on time. We recently had someone come, you know, do some plumbing at the house, turned up on time, uniform was clean. They explained what the problem was. It wasn't just fixed and left. I actually got an explanation. Part was disassembled. I learned something, you know, about plumbing. But it was that experience. And I felt like, wow, and you understand what they've done. They're engaging you in the process is, is, is really important because you go, oh, yeah, I've got it. It's almost, it can almost be rude. You go, yeah, no, no, I know what to do. I'll fix it. And I don't engage you in that. It's almost like being dismissive of the customer and the customer's in the heart of of our business. Without them, we don't, we don't have any well, revenue. Or as, a, as a bloke, I was supposed to know everything about plumbing because I'm a bloke, aren't I? But I know nothing about plumbing. So, you know, I'm feeling completely inadequate now when you're talking about a, a left-hand thread or, you know, or a, or a right-handed screwdriver, you know. Now it's like, oh, you know, get a tin of striped paint, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really out of my depth here. So, you know, don't make me feel like more of a fool than I already am, you know. So oh, I love that, a tin of striped paint. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Left-handed screwdrivers. Yeah, we've we're, we're trade, tradies are quite creative when it comes to um, stitching up apprentices and other and uh, other tradies on on the job site. Um, there was something I was also going to say about sales too that is kind of back to that self worth, looping back a little bit. We were talking, and I think that's another difference about what we do at Transformation. We don't just go, "Hey, go out. Here's the process," and and also to your your once you use our labour rate calculator, um, your rate usually goes up dramatically, like sometimes by 100%. And it creates a um, a bit of shock inside the customer, or our customer, the, the tradesperson, because they're going, oh, my God, I, I've had issues with customers around price and I was this price before and now you asked me to be this price. And that's when um, we bring in something which I think I'd love everyone to do this around the world because it's, it's so helpful for them from an emotional standpoint and that's that NET thing we touched upon um, or not thing, NET modality of trying to change, uh, help people kind of remove self-limiting beliefs and self-limiting doubts. So what's NET? What's that, Adrian? Yeah, NET is, I've been doing it now for about 17 years as a, um, as a uh, client, I guess, and it stands for neuro-emotional technique. Um, it was invented by a gentleman in the States called Dr. Scott Walker, um, it takes uh, again. I, I'm I'm super. I'm doctor if for the next five minutes. I I I I love it and I live it and breathe it. But I am not qualified to do it whatsoever. I use practitioners in Sydney and sometimes in other states and cities. And um, it takes from uh, chiropractic care. It takes from acupuncture, and it also takes um, uh, strategies and, and 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 techniques from kinesiology. Um, and so, first of all, all the um, organs have. Um, uh, different uh, emotional components. You might have heard people say, I'm so angry with you, I'm livid. And people that are uh, angry or resentful end up getting some liver issues. And there's the kidneys about, I think, from memory, fear. 
And what we find is, oh, I'm fearful of charging my new rate. And we use muscle testing is when you hold your arm out and it, it, what it does, you hold your arm strong and you you got to offer resistance. And what they'll do, they'll say certain phrases on, I'm okay charging $200 an hour. And before you were at $100 an hour. So how does this work with cost, cost you an arm and a leg? Is that where you're going with this thing or not? <laughs> kind of, <laughs> kind of. You you did promise dad jokes. I like it. <laughs> it it's... Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it you know what it's it's save um, it saved my oh I don't know if it saved my marriage my marriage has always been pretty good but it's definitely helped my my business my life my marriage every single aspect because you become more I guess whole in a sense because you're kind of working through your stuff. So you're and, you're relating a concept back to uh, like a part of the body, right? So you're saying that uh, the, the 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 threshold of of what you want to charge is dependent on the, the strength in your arm or well, what it actually does, it links it back, um, and, and also I make sure that I, I su- supply Natalie with some videos from, from Dr. You can Google This is interesting. It, it, yeah. It's absolutely fa- fascinating. What it does is, it, so let, let's go back a few steps. Let's say you're a um, seven-year-old, um, uh, Mimo, you're, uh, oh, you, you, you mentioned something about um, the olives uh, attacking you or falling on you. Let's say for some reason... Your dad said, Mimo, don't leave the lights on because money doesn't grow on trees. Olives do, but lights, <laughs> sorry, money doesn't grow on trees. And then um, you start thinking, oh, money's scarce, money's this, money's that. But it, it, the way he got so upset and so angry, it created a little tiny bit of stress in you, like a, a stress response, okay? And then um, you're only seven or eight or whatever I said in the, in, the, in the example, but you go to 22 and you go, oh, hi, um, Mr. Mrs. Customer, the job's going to cost you $1,600. And they react similar to how your dad did. And what happens is you regress to that eight-year-old in that stress response in that moment. And you no longer can reply as a 22-year-old, you reply as an eight-year-old. And it's your body's protecting you, basically. We clear that stuff out with the help of an NET and then people are going, cool, I feel absolutely a little bit of nerves, but the nerves might be a a 4 or a 5 out of 10, not a 10 out of 10 I'm shaking. And that absolutely has been a massive game changer for us to help guys to take control of their sales career and their businesses. Could even be stuff about uh, growing a team, attracting staff, et cetera. So, um, yeah, NET is being yeah, – it's, it's all yeah. about – I mean, it all goes back to change there, doesn't it, Andrew? Big button. It's about how you handle cha- – it's all about how you're handling change, isn't it? Yes and no. It, it's more about how you process stressful events in the past, and if you don't get the time and, um, and, and space to process them in the past, they'll sit in that organ that we mentioned. So if it's fear, it'll sit in the kidneys, and, again, I'm, I'm not a doctor. If it's um, – Liver and anger, it might sit in the liver and and they, it, different emotions. If you look at uh, Eastern medicine, and that's why um, acupuncture comes into it, when they put needles in your body for certain different things, it's working off the acupuncture meridians. So um, it's just, it's been phenomenal for us. And I'd, I'd really encourage other coaches to start using it as well because even though it's, I think the world needs a, a lot of love and healing at the moment. So it'd be lovely if other people took on, took it on and um, started to help people not only with the money side but the emotional side as well because that it, it's it's so needed at the moment. It's interesting because we do get questions. You know, I'm a business owner. I'm starting out. I'm not doing well, but I don't like to sell. And it's like what you just said now, it's almost like an exploration as to why don't you like to sell? Maybe there was something in the past. It, 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 yeah, it's interesting. Instead of just saying, oh, just you you just have to learn to do it. 
Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, just suck it up and do it anyway. And you, your logical brain can do it, but it's going to cause internal stress. And, and stress leads to, to, to uh, sickness and disease. So it's great to get this crap out of our body. So it's really important to be able to process that. And it, it, it all, all of a sudden turns from being something stressful to something you enjoy. And within three to six months, you don't even realize it anymore. You're just doing it. It's like water off a duck's back. So it's, it's really cool. Really interesting. Adrian, I do want to ask because we did have we do have a lot of uh, uh, questions that do come through and one of them was, uh, you know, this particular business owner working really long, really long hours, you know, 50, 60, 70 hour weeks every day of the week. But when they do work, um, you know, work out their profits, they're actually producing an average rate, uh, average wage. What would be your advice to these type of business owners? Because it, it's not just this one. It, I'm sure there's others out there. They are working really hard, and then when they actually sit down, whether they do it monthly, yearly, I don't know. They, you know, they're, they're appalled at what they're actually making for how much work they've put in. What would be your advice to them? First of all, um, work out your break even. You got numbers. So I want to say break even. Numbers, 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 numbers. When you have numbers, it becomes, okay, cool, I'm here. Uh, it, it becomes, when you don't know your numbers, uh, you basically don't know where you're at. It's, it, okay, I'll give you a better a metaphor. State of Origin was on the other week, uh, sorry, the other day, and um, great game, very close. Well, I, I don't know if it's great because when you say, well, I'm obviously for New South Wales, I'm not too happy about the result. But imagine playing the NRL, uh, um, State of Origin, I was going to say NRL grand final, with no scoreboard, right? And, and also, too, no time limit. Right? And, and this is what business owners do. We just work, 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 work. We forget that the kickoff for a the game of business is the 1st of July. The, the final whistle for the year is the 30th of June. Let's start playing AFL quarters and start to look at it in that way. Let's look at what it costs for me to run my business, right, work out my labour rate, and then I'm going to play as hard as I can for three months, and then I might have a week where I back off a little bit and, re- like, reflect and, and look at my results, do your sprints, do another three months. Have Not that you have a week off, but you, you just take it down a notch. And you factor in those things into your labour rate as well. Because if you don't have those um, times where you can, uh, and, and this is a big thing about maintenance, you've got to base your day. The average maintenance business in Australia has to work on four hours billable per day. You could work eight or ten, but you're only billing for four, okay? And, and that's because you've got to drive, you've got to go to the supplier, so if you're working 50 to 60 hours, get away from hourly rate, move to upfront pricing, okay? That's the first thing. Quote every single job. Um, do not leave the job ever to quote a job. Work out either a pricing system, um, Marcel, et cetera. Uh, make sure that you do it on the spot because when you email that quote at late at 10 o'clock night or you do it a week later, it's a piece of paper. Oh, sorry, it's not even a piece of paper. It's, a, it's, it's electronic um, communication with no emotion, no human being there, and there's no, there's a very high chance they're just going to say no and, and stick it in the trash. Also, too, psychologically, for the person wanting the job done, I want the job done now, and you then email me the quote three days later. My buying, um, I guess, psychology or physiology has even changed now. I'm not that much in a hurry for it. So it's so important to quote and do on the spot. Absolutely mandatory, non-negotiable. Work out your labour rate. Work out your break-even. Move from hourly rate to upfront pricing. Learn how to quote there and then on the spot. Do not send anything via email. Even if it's a big quote, right? And again, I'm I'm, maintenance, I'm very focused on maintenance and service. I don't I don't do construction. 
Um, but if it is a bigger quote, say 10, 20 grand, and you go to a strata committee, go and talk to them, right? Go and present it in person. Because if you're not doing this in person, again, the emotion's not there and all sales are emotional, as we know. So it's very important. Numbers, 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 and start to work smarter, not harder. It's it's crucial. So that personal approach is critical, isn't it? Because really, you're right. I mean, you think about all the quotes and, you know, give me a quote, give me a quote. And by the time you get the quote, you're already going, well, obviously, you know, it's taken three days. Does he, does he really want the job, you know? Um, and there's all that. And there's all that other stuff that'll come in. And you might talk to you. Oh, yeah, I know this bloke can do it. Just no, don't worry about that. I'll get my mate to do it for you, you know? And then you, you get distracted. Or you say, well, this, I don't want to do it now. I'll do it later, you know? Um, so all these all this noise comes into play, you know? So, yeah. I even think it helps with the honesty, doesn't it? Like if someone's giving you that quote on the spot, it's like, wow, okay, they've clearly got a system. They're not just coming up with something. That's how I would perceive it as well. They're organised. They're organised. 100% professional, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's really great advice. And what about for those business owners who want to put on staff? You know, we hear a lot of uh, situations where, you know, we'll bring on more staff, bring on more money. When do you know when it is the right time to bring on staff? Because clearly you could bring on staff, but it could have the reverse effect, not because a staff member is not good in that kind of sense, but also we're talking about running a profitable business in that sense. When do we know when is the right time? The first thing you've got to understand, am I am I uh, busy and profitable or am I just busy because I'm disorganised? <laughs> and then what we do, we, tre- we tend to, when we don't know better, throw humans at problems rather than systematise to, to take out bottlenecks. So let's look at the process, look at the systems, let's look at um, what the issues are before I just go and recruit a human. Um, and also, too, when we're doing that, Look at the numbers, okay? Uh, I, I strongly suggest that when you're on board, you're on board for a month. I, I wouldn't have a tradie, and I know this freaks people out, and this is why you have to move away from hourly rate because when you're at hourly rate, you can't afford to do this. I wouldn't let a tradie touch a tool for a month. So get in a vehicle, shadow one of the other guys that is one of your, your, your um, great workers, get them to learn the process, let them to learn the culture, um, maybe get them to do one or two little things, but onboard the living daylights out of them, understand the core values, what's the philosophy, who's my suppliers, who are my key clients, how do we do the paperwork, um, how, to, how to actually do the interaction with a client, where are all the tools placed, you might have a warehouse, solid onboarding for a month, and staff are always looking for clarity in a chaotic world. And if you just chuck them in a vehicle and here you go, go sell, they'll they'll churn out of your business super quick because they go, that guy was so disorganized. I don't want to work with him. Um, he was all over the shop, didn't know what was doing. And then all of a sudden you had a decent guy or a decent um, tradesperson, but because you didn't onboard them correctly or you didn't have a, a good system in place, they went, well, I don't want to work here anymore. I'm going to go. This is, this is what, I've, what I've been hearing a lot is that, you know, nobody really goes to work wanting to do a really terrible job, you know. Everyone has the best of intentions. So the fact that you, as a business owner, found one of your staff doing a crappy job says more about you than that person because there probably weren't, there wasn't enough clarity or training. And, you know, like I said, no one really wants to. And, and there are people that probably do want to, to go to work and do a crappy job, but they won't last very long because that's that's apparent from the start. So, yeah, I think that clarity is really critical, Adrian. That's great. And they might get resentful down the track, but they don't start out wanting to do it. You're, you're 100% right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. They do. That's the other thing. There's, there's, there's that tra- transformation. I've seen that in many staff. That transformation where they start very, you know, very clear and very willing, and then all of a sudden you end up with someone who's a little bit different. And that once again, that probably says more about us as their block bosses and how we manage their expectations and how we took them along the journey. We thought it was right, but maybe it wasn't. So yeah, yeah. 
And what about the response, Adrian, that you'd get from business owners when you tell them not to put any, you know, on board for one month? Is it a mixed kind of response? Because I'm thinking a lot of them really? would just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming they just want to go straight into the tools, yeah. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, uh, I, and, and I did it and I'm guilty. All these mistakes I've done myself, so <laughs> I'm not, not pretending I'm holier than now. I've made them and I've made mistakes. them more. And what what I did, oh, and, and, and I'll speak in I statements, can't get any good staff, no one wants to work, and then I realised I wasn't a great boss. <laughs> so then I had to have a hard look at myself and my systems and my process and work, ah, oh, right, now I'm seeing it from their point of view. It's not them, it's me. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, it's a bit humbling. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's a unicorn. And some people do just jump in and work straight away. They do do work. But that's going to be 5%. 95% are going to need a process, going to need an onboarding, going to need some instruction, going to need some guidance. Um, something I forgot to mention to you both, um, you know, I, I, was, um, I, I uh, wasn't sure if I could release this information and I forgot to mention it in the, in the uh, prelude before we started. Um, I've got some exciting news that uh, I'd love to share if that's all right. Um, I'm going to be releasing a book with a, um, a good friend of mine and colleague. His name's Alan Dibb, and he's written a, an international bestseller called The One-Page Marketing Plan. I found out, I thought it was in about six or seven languages. It's actually in 20 languages across the world at the moment. And um, Alan and I will be co-writing the, uh, the, the contract or tradies version for The One-Page Marketing Plan. It should be out in about three to four months. So... Um, yeah, I thought I'd give a bit of scoop um, for, for being so nice to having me on, on today. So, yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. So um, that, that'll be, yeah, I don't know exactly the launch date yet, but um, that'll be great for, for tradies trying to work out how to navigate the beast of marketing. Um, yeah, I've been I've, yeah, been involved with Alan for many years and love his stuff and been teaching it as well. So, uh, yeah, check you can check that's out right. his and the first 20 copies gets a free jar of olives, which is really good as well, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Done. Oh, that's amazing. You'll be very busy then for the next couple of months on Absolutely. top of everything else you do. Oh, but I've got to make those olives. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be Sorry, tasting guys. them, right? I'll be the taste tester. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Congratulations, Adrian. Looking forward to um, seeing well that done. released. So three to four months. Yes. I, I think, well, yeah, I'm, this is my first, first foray into writing. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's about three to four months away. Oh, exciting times. Congratulations. And I'm just looking at the time, Mimo. We are out of time, so I'm going to hand it over to you for a quick wrap-up. Thanks, Nat, and thanks, Adrian. What, a, what, a, what an interesting talk. Um, I've never been a tradie, never wanted to be a tradie, but I'll tell you what, it's uh, an interesting interesting journey, and, and Adrian, as an ex-tradie, you uh, You've given us some really interesting insights here. I won't go into the specifics because you'll have to probably listen to it, but, you know, you talk about the, the four stages of being a, a tradie of a contractor, controller, conductor, creator. Um, that applies to not only traders, it applies to all businesses as well because, you know, we're probably in the, you know, we're in the last between conductor and creator ourselves. Um you know, you've done all the stuff that you talk about, so you are a failed business person, as we all are in some shape or form, um, and, you know, you've come home to an area which you are very passionate about, which is great because I think that passion really shows, and I always say passion is something that you can't you can't buy and it has to be come from within. The seven steps of selling, um, I must have missed something because I only got down six of them, but I'll get back to that anyway. Um, I'll have to listen to the, the podcast again, but there are these all mirror, by the way, um, selling steps which are in other industries 
like real estate and there's, you know, there's closing, there's presentation. Um, but most importantly, in this day and age where, you know, when I did my training, there was no such thing as a Google review. Um, and the Google review is the holy grail of the trade and, and how to get one. Um, and that whole thing about, you know, being 20 minutes before you finish the job getting that, that's, that's gold. Um, I think change is a common thing that we're seeing amongst this podcast. So dealing with change and one of the things that small business and medium-sized business people have to espouse is change. My dad's 91, comes to work every day and he says everything changes, everything's changing and there's nothing you're going to do about change. Change is is everywhere. Um, I really felt that neuro-emotional technique was interesting. Um, Concepts borrowed from medicine based on science. I like the fact that you've actually put science back into it. Um, because in the marketing world, we don't talk too much about science, but it's good to see that there's a scientific base behind these things. And um, and I think, you know, the numbers approach is always good. And we always talk about putting things down to numbers. You can't manage what you can't measure. And we also use a technique where we say, you know, how do you reckon this is going on a scale of 1 to 10? So ask me how, how Sanders customer service is on a scale of 1 to 10. And I can tell you the number. Um, and, it would, you know, I can tell you. You know, you could you could do stuff about that, and if you, in six months' time, how is that number looking? Is it looking better, worse, or the same? Uh, and what would it take to get you from a seven to a nine? Uh, well, it would take this and this, and then you can chart that, and you can you can share it with your team. And speaking of sharing with your team, the onboarding uh, training is is really good. Um, you know, taking apprentices through clients, suppliers, uh, clarity with staff, clarity with with everybody is important. And I think um, the fact that you've got a book coming out, Sam, is is a, is an absolute gold piece of gold because I think there's finally people are going to have a, uh, a something they can refer to and, and in this day and age you can listen to the book I think we spoke about that you could be able to listen to something as well as read it and, and refer to that both as a, as a written text as a, as a as a listening text and that's the beauty of being able to do what we do in this day and age so thanks once again Adrian for coming on board at, um, at Leader Talk and um, I'm, I'm here in place of Gus, Gus does a great job uh, and I think Gus will be probably doing the next ones, but I'm quite happy to step in at any time. And thanks, Natalie. I think these are really, really valuable um, sessions. So once again, thanks so much to you guys. So well done. Thank you, Mimo. And thank you, Adrian. I know I've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have. I've seen reactions coming through throughout the show. So thank you very much for your time. Awesome. I can't thank you enough for having me. And yeah, all the best. Talk to you very soon. Wonderful. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in for more information on Leader Talk and for some great resources to help your business grow. Check out brainiac.com.au. Bye, everyone. Leader Talk. 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 Leader Talk.